Two charter school leaders allegedly pocketed $50 million in taxpayer money, according to the San Diego County District Attorney. This scheme involves schools in both Los Angeles and San Diego counties, and the small school district of Tejisa was involved because of their connections to an online charter school. Sean McManus, an Australian national, and Jason Schrock of Long Beach were the alleged ringleaders who are alleged to have created a network that funneled money from the state into their own coffers by claiming they were educating students that they were not. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Kristen Takeda, you cover education for the Union Tribune, and Morgan Cook, you're part of the Watchdog team and you're an investigative reporter. And we have some news that affects both of your beats and both of you are exploring more with what's going on with this charter school scandal. So first, Kristen, what did we learn from these new charges that were announced earlier this week? Yeah, so basically the district attorney's office has said that two men have uh, allegedly orchestrated this entire statewide online charter school scam, basically, where they were essentially siphoning money, public state funds that go to charter schools, these charter schools, and they were pocketing them for their own personal use. And they were talking about as much as $50 million went to their own companies from these charter schools, and then at least $8 million went into their own personal bank accounts. And so, yeah, that's essentially, in a nutshell, there are multiple parts to it. Certainly. And this seems like a multi-level financial crime in which certain things had to happen for this money to get transferred from point A to point B. So, Morgan, you're a skilled reporter going through these complicated documents and kind of explaining what the heck happened. So can you do that for this very complicated story? Sure. This alleged scam had, you know, roughly three, four parts. And essentially the first part is that the people who made the charters allegedly made this, you know, charter school. Mm -hmm. They uh, set up a conduit. So they set up a new company that was going to act kind of as their arm, you know. And then they reached out to youth athletic programs and they offered these programs like $200 for each student um, that they provided enrollment information for. So they provided this information, but the the program wasn't actually... So they essentially had like a fake school with real students using their data to kind of get money from the state, right? And so anyway, they um, so they paid these these programs about, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Maybe it varied a lot, um, but they paid them a certain amount per student, right? And then they took that enrollment information that they bought and used it to uh, claim to the state that they had all these kids for, so that they claimed average daily attendance, which um, it's an amount that they give to schools in general that, uh, you know, per student to kind of finance their education. Um, so so they, similar to how a budget of a school is determined by the size of its enrollment, the same thing is true with charter schools, either ones that are physical or online, right? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the idea. Yes, that's the idea. Um, so that, So then... They only paid for, you know, these programs a fraction of that money. Mm-hmm. So they paid the conduit of a kind of a finder's fee, and then the conduit paid the programs. And then the, uh, the larger charter school company 
uh, put in money or put in a request, you know, to the state for this uh, for this funding per student, and then they kept the balance, which was significant allegedly. And this all happens in the universe of charter schools, which some people may not be familiar with. Can you kind of give us a basic explanation of how charter schools differ from public schools and kind of how this crime was able to kind of use that infrastructure to its advantage, Kristen? Yeah, so charter schools are public schools, but they're different in that they're independently run. So pretty much almost anyone can open a charter school. They just have to get permission or authorization from a certain entity. And most often in here in California, it's a school district. So in this case, it was Dehesa School District in San Diego County that authorized a few of these charters. But there were school districts all over the state that had authorized these different charters. And so so charter schools, I think a lot of people will argue that they're, the laws that apply to traditional public schools, it's a little unclear exactly how they apply to charter schools as well um, when it comes to things like reporting or public information, for example. I think what differs about charter schools is that the main oversight is supposed to come from whoever authorizes them, but that can vary a lot. The oversight level can vary very greatly, and really school districts only have to minimum at minimum look at a charter school once every five years when they come up for renewal so it's not like a school district can go in and just close a charter school if they think they're doing badly or if they think that something's hinky about their finances and and each district you know depending on its size and its budget um, has different resources available for oversight right so in this alleged scam they went to they targeted smaller school districts mm-hmm. to authorize these um, these charter schools because the smaller districts couldn't really afford you know the top top quality oversight they didn't have the manpower and the people to do it um, and so you know that oversight was, Lacking, yeah, and I think alleged. Yeah, I lacking. think the reason why um, charter school leaders like this will go to smaller school districts is because those districts have just smaller budgets in general. So um, every school district that authorizes a charter school gets oversight fees from that charter school um, to supposedly pay for the cost of oversight. But what was alleged in this indictment was that Dehesa School District in particular. Uh, overcharged those oversight fees so they were collecting more money or they were charging more money than the actual costs incurred for the oversight. And so that's why uh, the Dehesa superintendent was one of the people who was indicted. So um, as of now, what's the impact in the Dehesa school district? Like, did taxpayers essentially get, you know, their tax money used for this crime? What were the people who were there affected by it? Well, actually, a lot of the student, like pretty much all the charter schools that were allegedly involved in this, they these students were either falsely enrolled or they were not in the Dehesa school district per se, because Dehesa actually only enrolls about 150 or so actual students in its district schools. So it's a very low, low Mm -hmm. population school district in terms of residents. And so what was alleged was that Dehesa was collecting more money than it was supposed to or charging more money for oversight. So it's not really that Dehesa school district resident taxpayers were getting um, cheated out of their taxes. That's not 
exactly what was being alleged, but it's more that there somehow these charter schools were allowed to open, but they were a lot of the students were not actually students of those charter schools. And then they, but they were still collecting money for it. So one of the things prosecutors pointed out when they were announcing these charges uh, yesterday was that this costs all students, Mm -hmm. you know, when there are losses like this, when there's, you know, what is alleged, when there are thefts as are alleged in this case, it's, it comes from the money that could be used to provide actual services. And in many cases in this scheme, as alleged, is that the students, some of them didn't even know that they had been enrolled in that these That seems the strangest part of this whole story, schools. is they were, like, surprisingly enrolled in a school. Right. Um, and so, and they weren't receiving services. You know, so that money was basically being used for fake education, according to the prosecutors, when really it could have been used for real education for real students. So, all the state taxpayers pay into this pot that pays for our, our public education. And when that money is taken away unlawfully, it hurts everybody. And what exactly do we know about the superintendent in Dehisa? What do you discover in your reporting, Kristen? Um, we don't know a lot. I'm kind of waiting on additional information from the district. I haven't heard back from them today, but we'll see. Like I said before, it's up to the school district to like watch these charter schools or provide some kind of oversight. So we'll be looking into that more in future stories in terms of, you know, how like did they look at these charter schools finances before this point and how often do they yeah monitor those schools that they've authorized? So in a sense, she's culpable because the oversight was never correctly done. Essentially, the, the school district theoretically, should have found out about this before it was investigated, right? Yeah, what was alleged. It, but again, oversight differs on the school district. There's no exactly clear law that states exactly that a school district has to do more than authorize every five years. Uh, so, Kristen, is it right to say that, is it correct to say that um, the public schools have more regimented, constant oversight from the state than charter schools receive from their authorizing districts? I think it depends on what you're looking at um, in terms of different aspects, but I think there will be some people who will say that even school districts aren't exactly held accountable for, say, low performance or for spending too much money or not having enough money. Um, but I will say that like school districts are required to report a lot more information to the state or it's just much easier to get public information about school districts for example whereas for charter schools it's harder to find even basic financial information about them unless you go to those schools but those schools don't always respond exactly so as these legal proceedings are ongoing what are the next steps that we're going to see from um, the broader justice department well, some people haven't been arraigned yet. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the alleged ringleaders is still at large and possibly in Australia. And then two more defendants still need to be arraigned. We're not exactly sure what's up with them. But, um, yeah, we will yeah see what happens with those. But so far, all the def- other defendants have denied all allegations um, and pleaded not guilty. So we will continue to follow that. And are there any documents or information that we're expecting to get in the next couple of weeks, Morgan? We are hoping to get the information about, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we're hoping to find out how the remaining two defendants plead. And we are hoping to get some more information from Dehisa School District about, 
you know, what's going on on their end. And then there's also A3 education, which was mm-hmm. the that that's the corporation that these uh, alleged ringleaders were um, heading. And so that uh, that organization has announced that they're going to make some changes like they've hired a new interim CEO and they've promised to put more internal controls in. But we'll see if that happens. And what we understand is that there are many more millions of dollars in contracts mm-hmm. outstanding. But the companies, some of the companies and assets for the alleged ringleaders have been frozen. So I'm not sure if they would be actually able to collect on those contracts. But um, what the district attorney yesterday said was that she she said we've stopped what would have been 200 million more dollars mm-hmm. in contracts that would have played out had we not uh, investigated this and announced this now. Education is one of those things that has people with very strong opinions on nearly every side of the debate. So what kind of public response have both of you heard from this story, given that it, in a sense, may create more scrutiny for charter schools in the long term? Well, I think it's interesting that it came out, this investigation came out now because there's actually already been a lot of, a lot more attention, at least in Sacramento, toward restricting charter schools more because we have Governor Gavin Newsom who has indicated he's more more interest in restricting charter schools than um, his predecessor did. Mm -hmm. And then we have a few bills going through the legislature right now that would actually, that would put more restrictions on charter schools, such as prohibiting them from opening charter schools in other places that they're not authorized in, which is kind of related to this issue. And then also just making it harder to appeal a charter school denial and things like that. And, And also putting a cap statewide cap on charter school growth. So mm-hmm. we will see how those play out. These kinds of issues that have been alleged in the indictment have actually been found with several other uh, charter schools and charter school officials um, in the past few years by different media outlets and not uh, third party organizations and also law enforcement agencies. So these are they, these kinds of stories have been popping up a lot more. So I think um, maybe there might be more pressure mounting to do something about it. Right. And for you, Morgan? Well, just because um, you know there are there appear to be problems in the charter school oversight um, and sort of the regulation there, and you know just because this theft allegedly happened, it doesn't mean that all charter schools are bad. And so you know mm-hmm. we've heard from the public saying, "Hey, charter schools." were the greatest thing in the world for my family and my kids. And, you know, don't don't attack charter schools as a whole because of some mm-hmm. bad things that allegedly happened. You know, please keep in mind that for, for us, it was really a great, great thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. charter school quality, I think, varies a lot. It, it, it goes from very as good... As char- Yeah, yeah. It goes from very good charter schools to... Um, not great charter schools. And I think an important distinction to make here is that all the charter schools that were allegedly involved in this scam were online charter schools. And I think a lot of people will agree that there's there tend to be more problems found with online charter schools. It tends to be especially problematic with online charter schools. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without people around in the same place, it's harder to track, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's harder to find who's behind what. If there's no person in, if you don't see somebody in person or see a building with actual students in there. Mm-hmm. 
And also when hearing what we've heard from the district attorney and hearing and, and reading all the indictments and gathering more information, is there any one part of this scheme that has really surprised either of you? One thing that we haven't focused so much on yet has been just on the level of uh, kind of maneuvering of of the books and the it, like they've just kind of it's it's such an elaborate um it's like it's, it's an of, almost a ponzi scheme in a sense but it's like plus a shell game like and, it, and chess yeah it, it just required so many different people to help put up different pieces in terms of um you know like all these business filings and all these um like board minutes and like they in the indictment it alleged that they actually fabricated like documents and information and then they just went through so many levels to basically um, allegedly lie and cover up what they were doing. Yeah I mean even though it it appears you know it is alleged that oversight was really lacking um, in this in this case um, they still had to cover their tracks allegedly because it's not like there was no oversight. So when when it did come, when there were questions, they had to, Kristen was saying, they had to fabricate things, you mm-hmm. know, allegedly, and lie and make shell companies. And... One thing that the district attorney's office said yesterday was that, like, whether or not there was good oversight or bad oversight, mm-hmm. like, fraud can always happen. And so there will always be some people who would go to lengths to do it regardless of the oversight. It doesn't mean that you can steal money. All right. Kristen Takeda, Morgan Cook, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks. In other news, a $300,000 fire truck is missing in East County. The truck is operated by the members of the Julian Kayamaka Fire Protection District, the county's last volunteer fire department that is now dissolved. Members of that department have been fighting tooth and nail to remain independent despite a popular vote. The Sheriff's Department is now investigating where the truck is. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. We also host community events, including a forum on June 5th called Confronting Hate, Bigotry, Ignorance, A Path Forward. Join community leaders and moderator Stephen P. Dinkin of the National Conflict Resolution Center. For more information and to register, go to confrontinghate.com. Until next time.